0: Besta Kalsson. Carlson, Kalsson. 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 Ingen ingen Carlson, Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson. Ingen ingen Carlson Carlson, yes. Carlson, Carlson. Welcome everybody Kalsson. to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, Kalsson. the best fantasy hockey Kalsson. podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and unfortunately, Brian has some personal matters to attend to, so you're only going to be hearing my voice tonight, but I have the help of some of the patrons of Keeping Carlson who are with me on a Google Hangout. They're going to be sharing their insights, which I'll be sharing on the podcast, so I think it's going to be a very exciting show, even though we don't have the fantasy hockey robot in studio. But let's get started. First, I'll mention the podcast is brought to you in part by dailyfaceoff.com. Your source for starting goalies, line combinations, trade news, which we're going to be discussing quite a bit today. So you go to dailyfaceoff.com. Also follow them on Twitter, at Daily Faceoff, to get everything you need. But let's start with some of that trade news. And I was so excited on, I think it was Wednesday, when the trade was announced for Evander Kane. We'll talk all about it. But I just thought, all right, known injuries this week. Well, there's definitely lots of injuries to talk about this week. But at least I don't have to start with an injury, because this is definitely the biggest news. Evander Kane, Zach Bogosian... A bunch of minor league guys, they're going to Buffalo in exchange for Tyler Myers, Drew Stafford, and then a bunch of other guys and picks and whatever. But we're going to focus on the players affected this season. I don't really want to be talking about Jason Kasdorf or Joel Armia. I don't think they're too fantasy relevant right now. We could talk about Evander Kane. He's out for the season, like Brian said last week. He probably does hold some keeper value. Of course, maybe now that's put into question since he's gone to Buffalo, which is probably one of the worst places you can go if you want to have some fantasy value and get some points. Considering they take like ten shots a game, but on the other side, Evander Kane takes shots, and Buffalo is going to probably get one of these top two draft picks and have McDavid or Eichel. He'll definitely be on the top line, the top power play. So I. Would think that probably Kane will have some keeper value. Maybe not as much as he would have if he went to another team, but we'll see. But yeah, I want to talk about this year. So let's start with Drew Stafford. A lot of people assumed that he would go to the third line on Winnipeg and that Jets' top six would stay the same. But it turns out Stafford is playing with Scheifele and Perot, and Frohleek is the guy who got bumped. So if you have Michael Frohleek at this point, he was already snoozing. Definitely get rid of Michael Frohleek. But let's look at Drew Stafford because I think he's intriguing. He's also on the second power play with Froelich Scheifele, Myers, and then it looked like in the last game, like Enstrom or Truba, they jumped around. He scored yesterday. He had five shots on goal in a second game with the Jets against Detroit, played 16 minutes and 30 seconds. In my opinion, I think he's worth watchlisting in a deeper league and and maybe worth an ad. Like, consider this. Stafford had 34 points in 70 games last season. So that's Half a point per game, and he's hit 50 points a couple of times in his career. And this is with Buffalo, right? A half point per game player with Buffalo doesn't that mean he's really like a 0.6 or 0.7 point per game on a team that actually shoots and scores goals? And he's on the Winnipeg's top six. I think as long as he stays there, he should see an uptick. Dave is saying that he's playing with Perot, and Perot has definitely heated back up since coming back from injury. He slowed down for a bit, but he's good. Shifley is doing well. Jets are scoring, right? They won yesterday 5-4 in the shootout. They seem to be scoring a lot of goals every game. And I like Drew Stafford as like a sneaky pickup for the rest of the season. I'm curious to know what you guys think. Also, Tyler Myers went to Winnipeg and he also had a great game yesterday. Maybe you don't want to put too much stock into one game because, you know, small sample size and everything. But Myers, two assists, almost 23 minutes of time on ice, four shots on goal, played on the second power play first star of the game according to ESPN when I was looking at the the uh, stat line for the game I saw that there I'm not sure how official that is but yeah Brian and I added Myers to our joint league I unfortunately had him on the bench yesterday which so I didn't get all of his fantasy points but I'm happy to have him and you know he had a good couple of seasons to start his career 48 points 37 points and he hasn't really been fantasy relevant since but of course again Buffalo like what do you really have to say just like Stafford he didn't really have a chance to put up a lot of points. I do think, and of course this is me and not Brian, but I do think Myers could end up being like a half a point per game type of guy in Winnipeg, assuming that he gets good opportunities like he did yesterday. Like that would be around 40 points. You know, he's beaten 40 points at 48 points in his rookie year. And if he's playing 23 minutes, it's possible. That's like upside. I think I see Dave is sort of shaking his head. Maybe, maybe not. So we'll see. I think he's worth a flyer. If you have an open defense slot and you want to try someone out, you know, most leagues, like my league is pretty deep on defense. I was choosing between Tyler Myers and like Alex Edler, actually, who I had dropped. That's the only reason he was a free agent. And like Polak, really bottom of the barrel guys who like we were looking at for blocks. So I think Myers is really good for a a league like that where people didn't want him because of his horrible plus minus. He's not going to give you the horrible plus minus. Let's see what the patrons have to say. First of all, about Stafford. Yes, Bufflin now is going back to defense because Stafford was able to take that spot right wing on the second line. So that's also a nice thing about getting Stafford. And you'd think that now if the Jets are confident to move Bufflin to defense, maybe that means that they're confident that Stafford is someone who could stay in that spot. And again, top six on the Jets. Michael Leek was doing well. Who's Michael Leek? So I think he's good. Very happy to see Bufflin back on defense. He had another good game yesterday. Dave is saying that I think it's about Stafford. He's going to have to keep his shot rate up. And so we'll see. It's only been two games. So you don't want to make any life-changing moves to your roster after, you know, one game that Winnipeg gets a lot of points and these new players do well. But I think both of these guys are very interesting and they have new life. Outside of Buffalo, it's new life. Zach Bogosian, on the other hand... Okay, you probably already should have dropped him. He had a couple of good games after coming back from injury. He scored a couple of goals. People were going a little bit too crazy, I think. But he's already been snoozing. He's been pointless for, like, a long time since he's come back. He didn't get a point since January 16th, and now he's on Buffalo. The only reason I would say to look at Bogosian is if your league counts blocks and you want to pick up, like, a blocks guy. I don't know if he will get the blocks. He hasn't done it yet. But, you know, I would think like Myers was getting blocks when he was on Buffalo. So maybe now Bogosian, you know, with all the shots coming in all the time against Buffalo, maybe Bogosian could be the kind of guy that could block a few. So that's his only value this season. We'll see in the future. You know, everyone's saying, just like with Evander Kane, ooh, soon Buffalo's going to have all these great scorers and Kane's going to be really valuable. Maybe that's good for Bogosian too, but we're talking a long time down the line. Don't, Don't have Bogosian in your lineup right now, please. (laughs) Owen is saying that he thinks Buffalo will lose the lottery that would be pretty funny if they don't get either of the top two how does it work do they get a guaranteed one of the top two picks if they come last in the league maybe not oh boy okay well it'll be pretty funny because they are definitely in full tank mode at this point because they also just traded away their number one goaltender Jonas Enroth got traded to Dallas for Anders Lindback and a pick so I guess that means they're running Neuwirth or maybe Lindback. But let me tell you something. Don't expect Lindback. Like, I don't know why anyone would pick up Lindback. He has an 875 save percentage in 10 games this season with Dallas. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be Neuvirth getting the starts. Not that you'd want anyone getting the starts in Buffalo. If Enroth was owned in your league, he was probably owned if your league count saves because he wasn't giving you wins. He wasn't giving you a good save percentage. But he's giving you starts, you know, hitting your minimum start. So you're going to get hurt now because Enroth's value in at least giving you starts, that's going to go away, at least in the short term, because obviously now he's just a backup in Dallas. Yesterday he played, took the loss, letting in four goals on 30 shots against Colorado. He was doing well before then, though. Like, he had over 920 save percentage in his last four games with Buffalo, which is a very impressive feat. And he might be a decent option for a spot start whenever he does play. But at the same time, Lettinen is currently on a hot streak himself. He's got three straight wins, including a 37 save shutout last game against Florida. But overall, he only has a 908 save percentage. We're talking about Lettinen here. But I still think Dallas will stick with him. They're their number one goalie. And he's hot right now. So I wouldn't be too worried about Lettinen losing his job. Though I do think Enroth will get more starts than Lindback would have because Lindback was completely unreliable. But I don't know if that's necessarily bad for Letnin, because maybe it'll just help him. He'll get some rest so he'll do well in the games he does play. So I would say Letnin, don't really worry. Like, already you should have been worried since he was having such a weak season. But I think that if you were sticking with Letnin up till now, you should still do it. Enroth, you know, good for a streaming start. That's what Dave is saying here streaming option at best Ben says he thinks Enroth's best value is a trading piece in a super deep league that overvalues goalies so I guess yeah now if if you're in a league where backup goalies are valuable then definitely now Enroth's value goes up I guess he'll he'll do okay when he plays like Dallas isn't the best team so I'm not sure I'm not too excited about Enroth or Lindback and I'm still feeling pretty good about Letnin. so that's where I land on that do any of you guys disagree with me Owen is suggesting that he's not confident, I guess, in Letnan either because Dallas has terrible defense. Also, I guess another reason to not be confident in Letnan or Enroth or anyone on Dallas is the big injury news that came up this week. Tyler Sagan is going to be gone for a while, so that's going to hurt their chances to score goals and win games. So, Sagan is out three to six weeks. It's, of course, a huge blow to anyone who has him in their league. He has 59 points in 55 games this season. You're not going to replace that with someone from free agency. And the thing is, we still don't know. I'd love to come on and tell you now who are the new lines and who are the new people that are on the top line in Dallas, but we really don't know. Like, yesterday's game against Colorado Dallas was really shuffling it around and they lost so they're probably going to keep on shuffling I was looking and I saw they were running with Ben Spezza and Sevier Ben Spezza and Richie Ben Spezza and Ekin, also at some parts Ben and Spezza were split apart so I don't know if I'd get too excited right now about any Dallas forwards except for Ben and Spezza as someone who could take advantage of the opportunity I think that we have to wait and see If someone gets on that top line with Ben and Spezza, I would think that that's a good position for them to be in if they could hold it. But no one's been able to hold the position with Ben and Sagan the whole season. So I don't see why it'll be different with anybody else. And of course, Sagan isn't the only injury. Also, Hemsky and Patrick Eves went down in the same game. So that was a brutal game for Dallas. Sam is suggesting that maybe when Hemsky comes back, as his injury is short term, they say he might even be back next week. Maybe he could get bumped onto the top line. And it's possible he did play well with Spezza at one point, I guess it's last year now. But I could see Hemsky, I could see anybody, any of these guys. Sevier, Richie, Eakin, maybe Cole, Hemsky. But I think the bottom line is you don't want any of these guys right now. I think though you do want to look at Jason Spezza because we talked about him before as someone who was slumping, but he actually scored the only goal for Dallas yesterday. And he has four goals and six assists in his last ten games. So he's on a hot streak. And keep in mind he wasn't getting these points with. Sagan before, or at least not on even strength, I guess the power play takes a hit and Spezza did get a lot of his points on the power play. But he's going to be leaned on now. He played over 20 minutes in the last game and his average for the season has been 17. So maybe the one person who benefits from this Sagan injury is Jason Spezza getting more time on ice and maybe that will contribute to more points so a good suggestion from Dave over in the chat room he's saying that hey why not go and try to make a trade for Sagan just like we were saying to go and make a trade for Lundqvist when he went down or Kane or Taylor Hall like if you could get someone who's going to trade Tyler Sagan and he might even be back in time for the fantasy playoffs they say three to six weeks so that's obviously a big range if it's three you're okay if it's six maybe not but regardless, if it's a keeper league, you definitely want Sagan. And if there's someone who has Sagan and is challenging for the championship this year, then they probably want someone good in return that could help them now. So why not say, hey, I'll give you, I don't know, I feel like you could almost mention any player in the league. You know, I'll give you Jamie Benn. I'll give you, I don't know, Tarasenko. Would that be too high? The patrons are waving their head for that one. But I mean, Sagan is. Amazing, right? Like he is at the elite place in the league where we hope Tarasenko will get where he almost is. I don't know. I would do Sagan for Tarasenko if I had Tarasenko, but it seems like these guys disagree. I don't know. But either way, I guess you get my drift. Trade one of your top guys for Sagan if you don't think you're going to win this year. Trade it to the guy who thinks he can win this year and you'll be good for next year. So that's something you could do if the situation is specific. Maybe tweet at us at keeping Carlson with the specific trade. And uh, we'll get Brian to also chime in. I'd be curious to see what he would say about Sagan versus Tarasenko now. Ooh, Owen suggests maybe Nash for Sagan. Yeah, I would do it. Like, I mean, obviously for this year, that hurts you. Nash is doing really great. He will probably regress. He has a high shooting percentage. We've been saying that all year though. So it might go down, but at least going forward for next season, also Nash is a lot older than Sagan. So for sure, I'd want Sagan in a keeper league over Nash. So yeah, let us know if you're able to pull any trades for Sagan. If you have Sagan, probably you want to hang on. We're talking about how you could take advantage of the dumb owners. Don't be that dumb owner yourself. Let's jump back quickly to talking about some more moves that were made in the league. Because I didn't really want to talk about injuries, but there are so many injuries. And we'll get back to some of those. But let's talk about, really quickly, Mark Arcobello. He again got moved. He's on his fourth team this season. And I I'm seeing faces of like, ooh, no, no, don't, don't take him. So don't worry. What I'm going to say is he scored a goal in his first game with Arizona. And I want to also mention, actually, we mentioned last week that Arcobello might be someone to look at since he was playing on the second line with Malkin. That was obviously bad advice. We definitely didn't say to drop anyone good for Arcobello, but he was someone to maybe watch. Clearly, that's not the case, and Pittsburgh didn't think so because they... They waived him, and now it's actually Blake Como who gets that spot, and we'll talk about him in a little bit, but this is, like I said, the fourth team for Arcobello, and he scored in his first game with Arizona on his first shift, but it's a mirage. Don't take Arcobello at this point. Maybe you could add him to your watch list. He did nothing yesterday, played 14 minutes and 30 seconds, no power play time. I'd say don't bother. Arcobello's maybe going to get you a goal or an assist every once in a while, but you're on Arizona, and you're not on the power play, there's probably... Arizona guys who are on the power play that you could take ahead of him. So that's hopefully enough about Arcobello. Dave is saying he nailed the Como pickup. Okay, we'll get to Como. Who did you drop for him, though? Awesome. He dropped Patrick Eves. That is the perfect pickup. One last thing before we get to these injuries. I know maybe I'm stalling, but I think it's worth also mentioning all of this news about the Leafs and how Kessel and Faneuf and Bozak, they're saying now they're all on the trading block. The Leafs are going to clean house... If you hadn't seen that, go and read some news. You know, search on Google or ESPN or something for Leafs. They're talking all about how they're planning on just trading everybody, apparently. And I think that's very interesting because that almost makes it seem like you want to hold on to some of these guys that you maybe were considering dropping, like especially Faneuf and Bozak. A lot of people were thinking, I wonder if it's even worth having these guys because, you know, maybe they didn't have so much upside, but they were doing well. And now they're on a Leafs team that can't even score goals. So really, what's the point? But, you know, now if they could go to a good team like Bozak, who, by the way, has a goal and two assists in his last five games. So Bozak actually is doing okay amidst this horrible Leaf slump. Maybe that's just luck. But, you know, guys like this, they might get traded. So you might want to just hold on, wait for the trade deadline, see where they end up. As far as Kessel goes, obviously you weren't considering about dropping him, or hopefully. I mean, he is in a pretty bad slump. In my league, he's on the no-drop list, so I couldn't even drop him if I wanted. Not that I would want to. But you know, if Kessel gets traded, it's going to be for a big haul coming back to the Leafs. He's a 40-goal, 80-point guy. So you'd think if he goes to another team, he's going to be on their top line and on their top power play. So at this point, I think you almost want to hold off don't trade Kessel. We were getting some messages on the Facebook group from the other Brian saying he wanted to trade Kessel. He also wanted to trade Seabrook, who was slumping, and then he went and got to assist the next game. So sometimes you just want to hold on to these slumping stars and Kessel, especially in this case, because there's so much, so many question marks. You don't want Kessel going to Pittsburgh and playing with, Malkin and Hornquist and then you feel like an idiot who traded him for like uh oh Dave's happy with that suggestion wearing the Pittsburgh jersey but yeah I'd love to see what happens with these guys so yeah just don't make any crazy moves and also by the way Kessel even on the Leafs so he played around 20 minutes in the last two games he had three shots on goal in each of those games he was even on plus minus so that might make it seem like the coach won't drop him back to the fourth line again like he did before where and he was playing like 13 minutes so maybe things can turn around for Kessel now at least until he gets traded they're going to want to show that he's good in order to get the most value for him so they're going to give him an opportunity to score at this point especially since the Leafs are out of the playoffs maybe starting to get into tank mode themselves So Owen is suggesting that if Kessel were to be like the number two player on another team, he could be amazing. Maybe he just doesn't have those leadership qualities. That's the issue that Owen is saying is Leafs fans and I guess the Leafs in general have with him. So, yeah, a new opportunity could be good for Kessel. The thing is, it's hard for me to just be like, yeah, Kessel really needs a new situation, a new opportunity. Like, he was a point-per-game player even halfway through this season or at least, you know, a quarter and a bit. Like, he was having a great year till all of a sudden everything just hit a wall and fell apart and the Leafs just stopped scoring. And, you know, he was great last year. He was great the year before. So it's hard to just be like, yeah, now if he could only get out of Toronto, he could finally be good. Like, he was good. Something's off. I still think he could be good in Toronto. I don't see why not. He's obviously a great player. Dave is saying that he thinks it's hard to imagine another team would pick up Kessel's contract. I don't know. 80-point, 40-goal guy. I think you'll find some takers. I don't think it'll be too hard for the Leafs to move Kessel. It's probably more what they're asking for in terms of players. But anyways, there's the uh, hard-hitting analysis from myself and the patrons about the leaf situation. I'm not sure I helped very much. I guess my bottom line there was just maybe don't sell low or drop some of these Leafs until you see what happens with them. But okay, I guess we need to get back to some of these injuries now. We already talked about Sagan and the other Dallas Stars. I feel like now it's time to talk about Frederick Anderson on Anaheim who got injured against Tampa, was put on the IR almost right away, which means he'll be eligible to come back on Wednesday. I haven't seen any updates. I don't know if you guys have about if his timeline has been mentioned. He could be back this week. Maybe he'll be out for longer. But I think it's been interesting because it gave us a chance to see some more out of John Gibson. John Gibson. So Brizgalov was scheduled to start the next game after Anderson went down against Florida, and he let in three goals on eight shots and got pulled, like, right away. And then Gibson came in. He didn't do much better, though it's always hard to come in in the middle of a game when the other team has all of the momentum. But then Gibson had a really good game against Carolina on Thursday, allowing only one goal on 36 shots, and I'm pretty sure Gibson's going to get all of the remaining starts until Anderson comes back, assuming, you know, we're talking only one or two weeks You know, at the start of the season, Gibson was talked about as a great prospect and someone who might challenge for the number one spot against Anderson on Anaheim. So if I had an open goalie slot and needed a spot start or just someone to hold on to, if you have Anderson, definitely grab Gibson. Hopefully you already did. I feel very confident in playing Gibson whenever he plays, but it might not be for long. And yeah, Dave is saying that he had a head injury and that's why we don't really know the timeline for Anderson. They have to obviously clear all of the different protocols and everything. The Ducks are a good team. They get wins. I feel like John Gibson is a very good option. And Brisgolov is not. So I know if you're in a super deep league, maybe you picked up Brisgolov when you saw that. Anderson was injured, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> Owen is saying that he would want any goalie on the Ducks, but I, I'm i going to respectfully disagree and say I don't think you want Briz Galov. I think he's going to uh, blow up your goalie stats. I feel a lot more confident in John Gibson. Sam has just jumped in from the uh, chat room here asking, what about longer term, who has better keeper potential, Gibson or Vasilevsky? I personally am going to go with Vasilevsky. Sam mentions that Bishop has been bad lately. Bishop hasn't had a great season. He sort of was able to get a little better recently, but then had a bad game in his last game when Vasilevsky came in, wasn't able to get the win, but only let in like one goal. I really like Vasilevsky right now. He's doing well in the NHL. He's, he has a small sample size, but still bigger than Gibson. So he's showing that he can be a solid starting goalie in the NHL at least so far. Tampa Bay is such an amazing team. Anaheim's a good team, but I would say Tampa Bay is bordering on an elite team. Plus, you have to keep in mind that Frederick Anderson on Anaheim is doing really well. He's having a great season, so it's going to be a battle to see who could get the starting job there. Of course, you could say there's a battle in Tampa as well, but I think that Bishop is going to be easier to replace than Anderson, and I think Vasilevsky, like I said, has already proven himself, and I think Tampa has better long-term potential, so I'm gonna go Vasilevsky. Let's see what the patrons say. Owen goes Vasilevsky. Dave says Vasilevsky. Ben is saying, of course, the question is whether Anderson could hold on to the number one job, and yeah, that's true. That's what we're saying. I think that Gibson has a shot to become the starting goalie in a year or two but I think it'll be a tougher battle for him than it will be for Vasilevsky against Bishop. Next goalie injury it's deja vu time we've done this before two or three times this year but Steve Mason is injured again on Philadelphia they're saying two to three weeks and now Rob Zepp is also injured so it's Ray Emery's net for the next few games. So I'm curious to know what you guys think. Does that mean you must add Ray Emery to get all of his starts for the Flyers? (laughs) Avoid, avoid, avoid. Yeah, everyone's saying no. If Brian is listening, I'm sure he'll be listening and he's probably yelling at his iPod now saying, Elon, you better effing say no. And that is definitely what I'm going to say. Emery's been bad all year. He has an 890 save percentage. Don't pick him up unless you need starts for some reason. He you do need starts, just keep in mind Philly's defense is bad and Emery is bad. So you're not going to see a good result, most likely. I wonder if I'd rather play Emery or the replacement for this next goalie I want to talk about. Because next I wanted to mention that Ben Scrivens is injured, which means that Victor Fast has an opportunity And those are both two really bad options to have available to you. I'd be curious to know what you guys think. Who would you rather have for a game against like a similar team if you have to play one, Emery or Fast? Well, you guys let me know about that. I'll just mention. So Scrivens is going to be out for a while, apparently. No timeline yet, but he has hamstring issues. Fast has already started stealing some of Scrivens' starts like before his injury. So I don't even know how much of a difference this makes. Of course, now it's, it's cemented. Fast will be the guy in Edmonton. Brian was obviously very happy about this as he's been holding on to Victor Fast for some reason in in one of his pools. But at the end of the day, Fast has only been above 900 once in save percentage in his last six games. So he has not taken the opportunity. And no, I'm not saying that you should go and grab Richard Bachman because I think Fast is faltering and Bachman will be the answer. I think that the Oilers are not very good and you don't want that goalie. So I don't want Fast. I don't want Emery. If you have to choose between the two of them, I would say to just like uh, fold up, join another league. But okay, let's see what the patrons are saying. We've got to vote for Fast. We've got to vote for Emery. More votes for Emery. Yeah, I guess the point that Owen is making, the Flyers are still a better overall team. And I guess that's true. So they do have a better chance of getting wins. They have players who could score goals. Edmonton, of course, is also without Taylor Hall, who wasn't even doing super great, but definitely was a key contributor, so they're hurting there. So let's say, fine, take Emory over fast, and good luck to you. And maybe one more quick injury to mention before we could get on to better news. Jason Zucker on Minnesota, so this is like a deeper thing, but he's going to be out for three months, so you could forget about him, drop him, you know, if you don't have the IR spot for him. He was having a decent season, though, with 23 points in 48 games. So I'm going to say, keep in mind Jason Zucker for next year's draft. I think he'll be a great last round pick of the draft next year. So just sort of tuck that aside. But in the meantime on Minnesota, I think it's time that we get back on the Mikko Koivu train. He's been up and down with slumping for a lot of the start of the season. But at this point, Koivu has one goal and seven assists in his last six games. He's playing with Pominville and Parisi. He's on the top power play. At this point, you want Koivu in your lineup. So he's Probably still a free agent in a lot of your leagues just because of the weak season he's been having overall. There was a spurt earlier on where he came on, but then he started slumping again. But it's hot time now for Koivu, and I think you definitely want to grab him. Sam says Pommonville picking it up too. Okay, I have a question about that because we get questions all the time about people saying, should I drop Pominville? Like hasn't Pominville just been good all season? I'm bringing up his stats right now. Okay, so Pominville has three goals in his last four games. Before that, he wasn't really doing much for a while. But overall, he's got 41 points in 55 games on the year. Those are pretty good numbers. He's still taking a crap load of shots, even when he was sort of slumping and not getting a goal for around, it looks like, five or six games. He was still taking six, four, six shots. I really like Pommonville. I think that he's always good. So I would say, yes, definitely, if Pommonville's available, take him over Miku Koivu. But then also, I think you'd want to take Koivu. Then we're getting a question from Dave asking, is Koivu better than Stahl? And he's saying, Jordan Stahl, yes, I would definitely prefer Miko Koivu to Jordan Stahl. I'd be curious to know what the other patrons think about that. To me, that one is obvious. Like, Jordan Stahl is doing pretty well since coming back from injury on Carolina, but he's still on Carolina. They don't score many goals. And Miko Koivu is, like I said, top power play, top line with elite players. Yeah, it looks like people are saying Koivu. Why, is this a move that you can make, Dave? Can you drop Jordan Stahl right now and pick up Koivu? Do it. Don't even wait. Once the podcast comes out, it'll be too late. <laughs> Enough with the injuries. Let's go to some outgeries. A bunch of players have come back this week. I'd say the most noteworthy one is Jimmy Howard over on Detroit. And I would say don't get too worried. He had a poor start yesterday against Winnipeg. But Winnipeg is really just scoring a lot of goals. And Howard overall has been having a great season. 919 save percentage on the year before his injury. So definitely I would say if you have Peter Morazek, because you picked him up, because we suggested to. You know, now it's time. You definitely want to drop Peter Mrazek. He doesn't have much value left. I don't think that Detroit is going to be, like, you know, taking away some of Howard's starts just because Mrazek played pretty well. Mrazek was kind of up and down by the end. So we don't know yet who's going to go to the minors between Mrazek or Gustafson or maybe nobody, but I think Howard is definitely the guy. And I also think maybe now could be a good time to buy low on Jimmy Howard. Maybe people are panicking that he came back from injury and had this bad game against Winnipeg. So they're going, oh no, he's affected by the injury. I don't think that Howard has what it takes to keep up what he was doing before his injury. Now's your time to swoop in. Offer someone for him. Maybe you could offer like Camp Talbot, though he hasn't been that well. I'm seeing that Owen is saying he dropped who for Talbot? Oh, probably Mrazic, right? So that was definitely a good move though Talbot hasn't been too useful actually he finally had a quality start yesterday and got the win and actually had a good game for the Rangers so Talbot's been good if you want wins he's on a bit of a winning streak but definitely he hasn't been great for save percentage but we're not talking about Talbot we're talking about Jimmy Howard and I think Jimmy Howard is really good and Dave is saying maybe I'm being optimistic by thinking that a Howard owner is going to sell low at this point because if they held on to him this long during his injury. But yeah, I'm saying they held on to him, hoping he'll come back, and then, you know, the one bad game. Like, the people, I'm assuming the people that you guys have the opportunity to trade with don't know what they're doing. That makes life so easy. Next out jury I want to talk about, Yori Letera is back for St. Louis. No points in two games since returning. He only played 13 and a half and then 15 and a half minutes. He was already snoozing before he got injured, so I definitely wouldn't rush to reactivate him from the IR or to add him. He's still playing with Schwartz and Tarasenko, so you do think there is some potential. But right now, I'm really not too excited about Yuri Lettero. He's not putting shots on goal. He's not getting any points. I think he's very safe to stay on the free agent list, and you could sort of wait until he does something and then maybe be the first one to grab him if you think that something is happening where he could start approaching his earlier production. But, you know, he was overachieving and likely he's not worth it. But wanted to mention he's back. Everyone's saying that they dropped him before. I think that was definitely a smart move. One guy on St. Louis though that maybe is worth mentioning because while Lettera has been snoozing, Dimitri Yaskin has seen an uptick. Did you guys expect a Dimitri Yaskin mention on this episode? This guy's got four goals in his last seven games. He had seven shots on goal and a goal in his last game against Tampa Bay. And he played 16 minutes and 22 seconds. And his ice time, actually, if you take a look at his ice time over the past month, it's steadily going up. It was less than 10 minutes a game just a month ago. But it's going up and up and up. He's playing with Stastny and Berglund. He was on the power play in the last game. He's actually playing a lot of power play time relative to what he used to. You know, he's on the second unit, but it seems like they've been getting pretty even minutes. So for a deep league, definitely I think Dimitri Yaskin is someone I'd prefer more, at this point at least, to Yori Letera. And we have a question here. Who would you want between Letera and Stafford? Ooh, interesting question. And you know, there is a difference between me and Brian in that I'm more looking at what's happening recently while Brian likes to look at a bigger, bigger sample size, and that might make me a chump in some regards. But at this point, I feel like Stafford is the guy I'd want over Letera. So maybe I'm dumb and maybe Brian's going to disagree with me. But Stafford's taking more shots. I think he's in a good situation, like I said, on the top six. And Letera's just not doing anything. So Stafford had 25 points in 50 games with Buffalo, like I said before. So that's a 0.5 point per game pace. And on a really bad team, I see you guys are saying in the chat room that you guys think Letera and you're saying that he has better line mates. But you know what? Matthew Perrault, enough said, right? I don't know, like Perot and Shifley, it's a good line for Stafford to be on. He's also on the second power play. Like, Lettera and Stafford, I think, have similar situations, and Stafford is the one who takes more shots. I don't know. My gut says Stafford right now, but maybe you have other options. You don't want either of them. But right now, I just don't see any reason to pick up lettera and i don't see any reason to hang on to him if you have him just drop him for stafford take a chance on him you could always take lettera back later i don't see people jumping to grab him maybe i'm wrong write in again at Kevin carlson on twitter if you think i'm dumb and i'm sure brian will listen to this episode like live tweet it and say all the things that he disagrees with when he listens next out jury i wanted to talk about christopher Stieg is back for Chicago and he came back uh, first game didn't do much second game scored a goal against New Jersey on Friday and looks like he's back on the second line playing with Patrick Kane and Brad Richards and that means that Patrick Sharp is back out of the top six which it's pretty weird that Chicago does that but he still seems to do pretty well though actually taking a look Sharp has no points in his last four games and Chicago has been scoring so that is a bit concerning Maybe start uh, watching Patrick Sharp. This really sucks for him. He's having a great year. I don't know why he isn't able to crack the top six on Chicago. But anyways, bad news for Sharp, but good news for Chris Versteeg. Like I said, he's not currently on the power play, though. So that is a concern for me with Versteeg. But he is, on that good line, even strength. He has 28 points in 36 games on the season. I don't think that's sustainable. That would be like a 64-point pace. I see Versteeg as more of a 50-55-point to pace guy, even on that line. And the patrons are saying maybe time to buy low on Patrick Sharp. I guess, yeah, he has a great track record. He's been doing well for many seasons before this, and he was doing well this season. But yeah, I don't imagine that he'll stay on the fourth line playing with Marcus Kruger and Ryan Hartman for long. Sharp, yeah, he still is on the top power play unit. So I think now it would be a good time to buy on Patrick Sharp. So I meant to talk about Christopher Stieg, but now we're talking about Patrick Sharp. Also, maybe it's worth mentioning that Brandon Saad is doing really well lately. He has two goals and four assists in his last five games. So he's someone we mentioned a few weeks ago on the podcast. Hopefully you had the opportunity to grab him. He is not slowing down on that top line. And Marion Hose is doing well. The Hawks are doing really well. And it's very interesting, actually, that Patrick Sharp is not a part of it right now. All right, I still have a couple more outjuries to talk about. One of them I just am going to talk about because I know some of the patrons love this guy. Let me even just get this out of the way. Tommy Wingles is back. I know some people go, oh my god, Wingles. He did have that awesome stretch early in the year. So I don't mean to take anything away from Wingles. But he came back to play on the third line. He's played three games so far, no points, three shots on goal total. And the thing we liked about Wingles at the beginning of the year was he was taking so many shots. So there's not really much to say about Wingles unless you care about hits. He's had three, seven, and four hits. In the three games since he's been back so if that's valuable to you then maybe you want to look at Wingles but otherwise definitely leave him in free agency and the other outjury which we already started mentioning is Blake Como who came back and he's got that spot with Malkin and Hornquist over in Pittsburgh and he's definitely making the most of it it's been two games so far and he has a goal and two assists in two games since returning so I think he'd be a great short-term ad and Dave said that he made that ad But just remember that he could get bumped from the top six at any time and then he'd be pretty much worthless. So don't give up too much to get Blake Como. Even if you don't think there's someone else on the Penguins currently that could take his spot, maybe they'll make a trade to take someone. So I feel like Como is someone I would want to have on my roster right now, but I don't necessarily want to be depending on him for the fantasy playoffs. Dave is saying that he thinks that Como's only risk is a trade, which could happen. Maybe a trade for Kessel. Who knows? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, Brian was saying Bo Bennett last week. We had some comments saying people thought that wasn't really uh, something that's going to pan out. Bennett's had lots of chances. And right now, Como, Como's doing well right now. I don't see why they would try Bennett in there, at least in the short term. But we'll see. Right now, go grab Blake Como if you have an open spot because he's in a great situation. So I still have a few more players I want to talk about. I want to talk about some players that are on hot streaks, as as well as some people who have new line situations that are looking good. Before that, let me just quickly say that if you want to be a patron and get invited to random podcast recordings that Brian can't make it to to say things in the chat room this could be you. So go to keepingcarlson.com slash patron. You also get access to our Facebook group. It's a fun time. I say it every week. Probably people are tired of me hearing it. So you can just see all the information you need at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. Okay, let's talk about some players who are on hot streaks. Let's start with Evgeny Kuznetsov heating up for Washington. He's got a goal and five assists in his last six games. But you know, he's playing with Chimera and Brouwer. And he's only on the second power play. So this seems like the kind of thing that will probably dry up. And, you know, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Brian would have some deeper insight. Clearly, Kuznetsov is talented. He's very young, I think, in a keeper league. I think he has the potential to become a really valuable contributor to your fantasy league. But I'm going to be mentioning some other people on hot streaks right now. And Kuznetsov would be on the bottom of my list. I'm curious to know what the patrons think. Though actually, it is worth mentioning, if you look at Kuznetsov's time on ice, it has gone up very significantly. So he's averaging 12.42 for the season. But in his last four games, he's played eighteen and thirty seconds, 17.58, 15.32, and 16 minutes and 24 seconds. So he's definitely seeing more opportunities, and he's getting points right now. He's still not taking a lot of shots. In the last 10 games, he hasn't had a game over two shots. It's usually 2, 1, or 0. So it's one of these things where it's hard to say how things will go in the future, but I don't think a point per game pace is something that we can expect. He's definitely someone you should have on your watch list. If he could ever play with someone like Ovechkin or Backstrom, that would obviously be good. But until then, I think still leave him on your watch list, at least for now, let someone else take the risk on him. Maybe you could take one of the other players I'm going to mention. Maybe you can take uh, Anders Lee. Is he still available? We've already mentioned him for the last couple of weeks, at this point, if he's still available in your league, you might want to start questioning if you're in a league with people who know what they're doing. I don't know, maybe that's too harsh. She's oh, ac- actually only 12% owned right now in ESPN, which is crazy. But everything I said before remains the same. Top line on the Islanders with Tavares, also on the top power play, getting good minutes now, which he wasn't getting before. He had four assists yesterday, two goals the game before. I'm just going to say, why haven't you taken Anders Lee yet? I want you to tweet at me and tell me who you're holding on to at the bottom of your roster over Anders Lee. Sam is asking, what about Zuccarello? I was actually just going to mention Zuccarello. So let's get into him. Then maybe we could have a discussion of Zuccarello versus Anders Lee. But yes, Matt Zuccarello, four goals, five assists in his last eight games. He's been moved to the top line on the Rangers. He's playing with Brassard and Nash. He's also on the top power play. He's only owned in 44%. Of leagues in ESPN. So I didn't necessarily consider him and Lee in the same level because I assume that Zuccarello is maybe owned in a lot more leagues and a lot of leagues that you guys are in. But yeah, I would definitely say Zuccarello is worth a pickup. If you have to choose between the two of them, I almost feel like try to get both and drop someone else. I'd be curious to know. You know, obviously these rosters only have so many positions available and there's so many players who I'd want to have. But I would love the opportunity to have Zuccarello. I actually do have Anders Lee. Zuccarello, I think, has more long-term potential, like if Ocposo comes back, then there's that risk that Anders Lee gets bumped off the top line, maybe bumped off the top power play. That would be a concern, though it's probably a long time before Ocposo comes back. And also, maybe Lee's made a case to stay on the top line. Maybe it could be Ocposo, Tavares, and Anders Lee, though Josh Bailey has also done well on the top line. He's also someone, by the way, who I think you could look at as a free agent pickup, especially because next week the Islanders play five games, which is crazy for one week. So I guess there's the idea that maybe they'll be tired and not do well in the last couple of games, but I feel like that's more of a concern maybe if you have Halak. But if you can get Anders Lee or Josh Bailey or one of these types of guys for next week even only, that's definitely, I think, a smart move. And Anders Lee, I think you want definitely until Ocposo comes back. And Ocposo, Sam is saying, hasn't even started skating yet. So Anders Lee is great. Matt Zuccarello is great. So who do you guys take between the two if you had to choose one? Looks like we're getting votes for Lee, which is, I guess, yeah, it makes sense. So Sam is saying that Lee has more upside, but Zuccarello is more consistent. He's more likely to keep up the pace that he's been putting up. Not this point-per-game pace he's done lately, but, you know, if you look, he's got 32 points in 52 games on the year. I definitely think he'll be able to keep that up and maybe improve on that pace, especially now that he's on the top line Anders Lee also has all those shots on goal, though Zuccarello's no slouch. Well, one ten shots in 52 games, so a bit over two shots a game. Not horrible. Lee is really taking a lot of shots lately. I'm excited about both of those guys. I can't choose. It's like choosing between children. But I don't even have Zuccarello, so why do I care about him? I don't know. Okay, actually, let's mention another Islanders player who you might want to pick up at least for next week, since, like I said, they play five games, so a big uh, benefit for your matchup, especially if you're going to drop someone who's playing only two or three games. But how about Travis Haminich? He's got 10 points, all assists in his last 14 games. He's been seeing increased ice time, and he was even on the top power play for a bit. He's fighting with Boychuk and Wisnovsky. You know, there's only so much room there, but he's been seeing time there. Overall, he's got 19 points in 46 games this season. His career high is 26 points in his rookie season, so I expect that Haminich should be able to break his record, barring an injury, which... He has had some injuries, so I guess that's not something completely out of the realm of possibility. Here's what Brian from Facebook says. This is a different Brian. Brian D. As an Islanders fan who's been with Hammer since the beginning of his career, he's a shutdown stay-at-home defender who occasionally takes shots and rarely hits the net when he does. Granted, he gets assists, but those are scattered all over the place. So there's some insight from an Islanders fan. I think at the end of the day, this pace of 19 points in 46 games... That would give him 34 points on the year, which I think is decent for a defenseman for fantasy. Like, that's someone who is worthwhile having on many fantasy rosters. If you were thinking of taking Tyler Myers, I think that Hamanich is, like, similar type of ad... Uh, I don't know. I'm questioning myself as I say that. I'd be curious to know who you guys think maybe about Myers and That This should be the new theme of the podcast. Just I name two players and ask the patrons who they like between the two of them. Looks like people are saying Myers. Yeah, he has more upside. He's scored more points in the past. Hamnich maybe is uh, in a good position. I'll just say for next week, if you need a defense and he's available, maybe go with Hamnich since he is playing all those games and he is on a hot streak right now. He also has thrown some hits in the last couple of games, four and five in his last two games, though generally he's looking like one. Every once in a while, looking at how much his hits are interesting, it's like one, 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 seven, one, 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 five, four. I'm not sure where that will go. So those were some players who are on hot streaks right now. If you can get one of those guys in your league, definitely let us know at Keeping Carlson. I'd be curious to know what moves you make or if you take any of those guys. There's also Tyler Toffoli who's been doing really well lately. I know that we talk about him a lot on the podcast as someone who people expect to do better than what they should. But Bear's mentioning, Toffoli is right now playing with Jeff Carter and Dwight King, actually, on the second line on the Kings, and they've been doing really well lately. And Dwight King, I actually picked him in Daily Fantasy Hockey a couple of days ago, one of the cheap $2,500 ads, and he did really well. So just saying. Dwight King might be a deep ad in your league as well. I'd probably prefer Tyler Toffoli but, you know, these are the types of guys, like, especially for Toffoli, he's a good player, and if he gets ice time, I expect him to do well. Like, back when he was on that big point streak, he was only playing, like, 13 minutes a game, and that's why we were suggesting that it wasn't sustainable. He played 17 minutes and 30 seconds when he had this great three-goal and one-assist game against Calgary. He only played 14 minutes 22 seconds uh, yesterday against Washington, though he did get one assist Tafoli's also taking a lot of shots, so he's definitely someone to take a flyer on as well. I guess he's actually 57% owned, though. I'm seeing an ESPN, which to me is like, that means he's more highly owned than Matt Zuccarello. I would definitely prefer Zuccarello over Tafoli if you want to benchmark there. We're winding down here. I wanted to mention Alex Burrows is currently on the top line in Vancouver playing with the Sedins, that was supposed to be Redeem Verbata's spot. And Verbata was there for a lot of the season and doing very well. But, you know, it hasn't really hurt Verbata being knocked off that top line. He's actually on fire lately. Three goals and six assists in his last nine games. So he doesn't even need the Sedins. And actually, Alex Burrows hasn't been that, that great. Like, there was one really great game that he played when the Canucks destroyed Pittsburgh and he had a goal and an assist. But since then, he hasn't done much. So you might be tempted to add Burrows because he's playing with the Sedins definitely don't drop verbata for him though. And also don't get too high on Alex Burrows. Like he's in a good position, maybe someone worth watching. He is actually taking a lot of shots lately. In the last five games, he's taken three, four and five shots, which is higher than his pace for the season. So he is someone to keep an eye on. But you know, we've mentioned guys like Miko Koivu. I definitely want to have Miko Koivu over Alex Burrows. And I guess it's about that time to wrap up the show. Let's talk about one more player, a snoozer. This is the snoozer segment, but I don't know if this guy is a snoozer. I'm going to be curious to hear what the patrons say. Let's talk about Zedano Chara. We actually got a tweet recently from at Braden Watling asking, I guess it's time to drop Chara, huh? And I just right away thought, oh, really? Why? So, you know, you go and check his stats and yeah, it doesn't look good. (laughs) You know, in the last 10 games, he only has two assists He's not taking that many shots. He's been minus in his last few games. He's minus six, actually, in his last three games. So if your league counts plus minus, he's really hurting you. Okay, so that's the bad side of Chara. He's only got 13 points in 36 games on the season. So lower than a half point per game. He's already been sort of on the downside of his career for a while now. So you can't expect too much offense out of Chara. But at the same time, let's keep in mind that he is still getting top minutes on Boston. He's still on the top power play. He has the potential to give you some points you know, when you need them. Let's say if you have... One game left on the week and Boston's playing. I would feel pretty confident that Chara could maybe chip in a power play assist to help put me over the top. But he's definitely not someone I would depend on to give me like a great multi-point night anymore. And so obviously it comes down to, you know, who you would be dropping him for. Like if you're in a very deep league, I still think that Chara is worth owning. But in a shallow league, it's definitely something to consider. Obviously, again, it depends who you can pick up. Dave is saying that if you could pick up Klingberg for Chara, I think I would do that. I think? Is that crazy? Klingberg's been hot lately. Of course, now Dallas has this uh, issue with Sagan being injured, so maybe the offense will dry up a little. It's been two games in a row where Klingberg hasn't gotten a point, though that's kind of crazy that even saying that as being a surprise, that obviously shows that he's worth owning, because before that he was on that super hot streak, which we mentioned on an earlier episode. Definitely for a keeper league, you want Klingberg. And even for this year, right now, I think I would want Klingberg over Chara. Dave is saying that Chara hasn't looked right since his injury. So I haven't watched any of the games myself, but the numbers definitely aren't there. It's sad. You know, Chara's had a great career. Obviously, I think he's still valuable to the Bruins, plays defense well, and Brian would probably look up how he's maybe having difficult zone starts and all of those other stats that he says to say that he's not maybe being put in a position to get lots of points. So I'm going to say that Chara is bordering snoozer territory. Not quite there yet, but definitely someone. If there was something called like a reverse watch list, where the people on your team you're watching to see if you're going to drop, I would add Chara to my reverse watch list. And that is going to do it for this week's episode. I want to give a big thanks to the patrons who came and joined me and helped me out this week with Brian away on personal matters. Owen, Sam, Dave, Jonas has been here. Thank you so much for all of your contributions. Hopefully I'll be able to edit this together and make it a somewhat coherent show. And of course, thanks to all the listeners for, for tuning in. You know, the season's nearing down and we're really excited that a lot of you have still stuck with us and hopefully we'll be able to help you come fantasy hockey playoffs time. We are going to try our best to take as many of you as we can to the championship. So make sure you are following us on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. If you want to be really nice, you could give us a five-star review on iTunes. But that's it for me. Let's cue that outro music. Oh, and normally I would tell Brian to read the credits, but he's not here. So I guess I'll say we use Daily Faceoff, ESPN and Yahoo, Fantasy Hockey, and that's pretty much it. Brian uses a lot more sites when he's preparing for the show, so maybe you guys could tell that from the quality of the episode. But if this was your first episode, definitely tune in again next week. And we'll be back next Sunday, myself and Brian. Keep on keeping Carlson.